Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. This is a Soulfire production. An old man takes his granddaughter into the forest, and he puts her on a tiny tree stump, and he leans down very, very closely and says, I have two wolves living inside me. One is greed, anger, manipulation, pain, and sadness. The other is love, confidence, compassion, empathy, and joy. And they are battling to the death every day inside me. And the little girl's eyes get really wide and she says, Grandpa, which one is going to win? And the grandpa smiles widely and says, the one I feed. Now, I love that story. And I use it often with clients because I think it really illustrates that we have two sides to us. We can lean into one wolf or the other wolf, and they are both vying for our attention all day, every day. And so it's really about which one we feed, meaning which one we give our energy to, which one we give our attention to. And so I thought that that really illuminated what we're going to talk about today well. I chose to talk about this <laughs> because I love starting a shitstorm. Um, and whenever I bring up this topic on my TikToks or uh, on a live, on TikTok live, I get so much hate for it. I get so much rage aimed back at me. So of course I was like, ooh, well, that's exciting. Let's do uh let's do a whole podcast on it. And it is this idea that there is no such thing as a bad person. That that is an easy fucking way out. It is an easy way out by our society to not have to take responsibility for what we do to people. We just cast them inside and say, that is a bad person. Or in religious context, that is an evil person. And then we never have to look at what actually happened to them, what actually got them to this point. And so that's what we are going to take a look at today. We're going to take a look at this idea of good and bad and how we live in that, right? We live in this idea of I'm a good person or I'm a bad person. I do good things or I do bad things, right? Very black and white. And so today we're going to pull that apart a little bit and look at good or bad according to who. 
We're also going to look at something that I call the toolbox. I think we'll do an entire podcast on that in of itself because it's something that all of my clients love and kept saying, do a podcast on it, do a podcast on it, because I'm always trying to explain it to other people the way you explained it to me and I never can. So you do a podcast so I can share with other people. So we will do that, but I want to get into a little bit of it today because I think it's so relevant with what we're talking about. And then lastly, we're going to really talk about how you I can have compassion, we, for other people and ourselves when we deem ourselves to be bad or we deem somebody else to be bad. How can we get out of that anger and shame spiral that we can go into when we think of somebody as bad and we cast them away or when we feel like we are bad and we either self-isolate or close in on ourselves emotionally, we go to sadness, we go to depression and extreme circumstances and how we can start to take those layers off, how we can start to peel back those parts of us that aren't us and how we can start having more compassion for other people. A little disclaimer in this was I think what people get really upset about. I am never saying that things that people do to you are okay. I'm going to explain a lot about bad people or quote unquote evil people in the religious circles and why they're like this and how we need to have compassion for that. I am never saying that it's okay for somebody to treat you in a painful way, to somebody to abuse you, somebody to speak to you in a way that is unkind or hurtful or do things to people in society that cause pain and harm. I'm never saying that's okay. So please, please hear me on that. I want to have that disclaimer out there. But there are reasons And we have to talk in society about the reasons and about what we do to people in society, what happens to people in society that clearly make them this way. And so that is something that a lot of us don't want to look at, but it's my podcast, people. You know I'm going to always bring it for you. So this is something I think it's really important that we take a look at. And this all started for me, this idea of looking at this more when I was watching Yellowstone. Um, If you haven't watched Yellowstone, oh my gosh, make sure that you are in an emotionally available and ready place for the amount of stress and anxiety that show is. I love that show. It is beautifully written. I adore the characters, but oh my gosh, is it an emotional investment? I literally had to stop. I binge watched all the seasons and then I had to stop and go back and watch Downton Abbey all the seasons again, just to like... (sighs) Lightness, love, silliness, happiness, fun, brevity, yay, Uh, because Yellowstone is an entire solar system onto itself. So I highly recommend it, but be prepared. And one thing that haunted me, a scene that absolutely haunted me from the show, and it's okay, you don't need to know the show to know this, um, but there's a show, uh, but there's a, a scene in, I don't even remember what season it is, but there's a scene where two men are sitting together. They're uh, Mo and uh, Thomas Rainwater. And they're sitting together and they need a lawyer to help them with something they're going through in the show. And they bring in this woman um, who is a cutthroat lawyer. Uh, she just is is very challenging and difficult. They're not sure they want to bring her in, but at the last minute they realize, okay, we do need her help. And so they're talking with her and then she goes and she leaves the room and they have this conversation. Mo says, she's evil. 
Thomas Rainwater shakes his head and he says, she's not evil, Mo. She's just angry and wants to punish the world for what it did to her. Mo smiles and says, yeah, I know. That's what evil is. I have watched that scene so many times and it gives me chills right now, even saying it to you guys, because I think that that is so the crux of what we're going to be talking about in this podcast and what people don't want to look at, what society doesn't want to look at when it comes to bad people or evil people. What made them this way? What happened to them? These are just people who are in a tremendous amount of pain. And as we talked about um, in one of the other episodes, if you've listened, is that whatever you are full of, you will off-gas, you will spill onto other people. I love off-gas. I just love that term. But uh, the other way to look at it is that you are a cup of coffee. And you are sometimes a very depleted cup of coffee where you have nothing to give. And sometimes you are a very full cup of coffee. And when you are a full cup of coffee, things overflow, right? You can easily spill out onto other things, other people in this example. So if you are so full of love and joy and excitement, it just spills onto other people. When I'm in a great mood and I'm my funnest and my biggest and my happiness and my silliest, I just see the people light up around me, right? Because I have so much joy and so much silliness and happiness. It is spilling onto other people and they can't help but to have it land on them, right? To be infected by it in such a positive way. And that's what laughing is, right? I mean, I, at my co-working space, all the time. I'll be laughing hysterically with somebody in the kitchen. And then I'll look around the room and realize that other people at different tables far away are starting to laugh, even though they don't know what we're talking about. Because laughing is infectious and people will move closer to the kitchen because they, everybody wants to be a part of joy. Everybody wants to be a part of happiness, a part of fun. But the opposite also happens. We can be so full of pain We can be so full of rage. We can be so full of sadness that that also spills out onto the people around us. And that is what happens when we come across people who are angry and mean and hurt other people and hurt us. They are so full of pain, they literally cannot contain it in their own nervous system, and they have to give it to somebody else. We've all had this experience. I'm a wonderful, amazing, sweet, joyful person, but also when I'm an asshole, I'm an asshole big. Men who date me are always surprised at the level of anger and frustration, um, maybe even mean that I can be. And I'm like, oh, really? You thought joy was this big in this five foot six, 200 pound frame? You thought there was this much joy, but you didn't realize that the opposite then also was true, that there is also this much anger that can happen, this much rage, this much pain that can happen, right? It also spills over. It's something I'm working on in therapy, uh, obviously, but maybe not obviously, but I am. Um, and as you will get to hear more about that journey as we journey together. So this is what is happening. 
we've all had those experiences. You're in a bad mood. Maybe the kids are running around crazy. Maybe something bad happened at work. You're fighting with a partner. You're just having one of those days and you just snap at everybody, right? You're honking. You're mean to the person at the grocery store. I mean, I was having a bad day the other day and I was in a long line at the grocery store and I'm a very nice person, I swear. And I was just having one of those days. And right as I got up to the front of the line, to, you know, to have uh, my groceries checked out, the clerk puts the closed sign right in front of me. There's nobody behind me. Like she could have taken me. Oh my God. Listen to me get angry again already. She could have taken me, but nope. She puts it right in front of me and oh man, that eye roll. I'm sure you heard it in other counties. I mean, oh, uh, and I did the <sighs> seriously, uh, right? Maybe it wasn't necessary, but I was already at my limit of what I could hold and I wasn't doing great self-care to bring it back down. So I off-gassed it at her and made sure that everybody else in line heard it as well. Therefore, my shaming could also be then experienced by the other people who also knew that she should be shamed for what she's doing, right? None of this is conscious. This is all subconscious. It's all me looking back. I got into their line and I immediately, you know, once it was off-gassed, felt shame, felt embarrassment. Oh God, why did I do that? I didn't need to do that. I was just off gassing my day and I caught myself (laughs) too late for her, but I caught myself and said, okay, Rochelle, you need to use your tools on bringing yourself back down. That was a tangent, but I hope it was a good one. So I want to look at ways that we do this to ourselves, ways that we tell ourselves that we are bad. Most of us do this. This is why I'm bringing it up. Most of us will tell you that we are working on love and compassion and positively and all these good things. But deep down inside, in the places we don't talk about at parties, many of us feel like we are bad people. Sometimes or all the time, we all have shame unless we work through it. Right, that feeling that I am a bad person. Guilt, I did a bad thing. Shame, I am a bad person. Those are those differences again. So I wanted to look up the definition of good. I'll often look up definitions throughout these podcasts. One, because I love it. I always, when I can't find a definition for a word, I'm like, oh, let's look it up when I can't think of what it is. And also because the way linguistics work, we change definitions over time. We change definitions based on how they are used in society, how they're used with people who we're around often. So many times we don't even have the true definitions of things. So I do like to often go back. If you're somebody who knows me in my personal life, you probably have heard me many times like, oh, Google the definition of that word. I want to see what it truly, truly was meant originally to mean. So I Googled the definition of good and came up with this. The concept of good denotes the conduct that should be preferred when posed with a choice between possible actions. So if you have two possible things you should do, uh, two possible things you could do or three or six or whatever, good is the preferred course of action, the preferred choice. So my first thought is preferred by who? Preferred by society? Because you know, I fucking hate that. Preferred by your parents, your religion, your culture, your friends? Preferred by who? 
So we're going to do a little exercise right now. So if you are somewhere where you can grab a pencil and paper, you can stop this and go use your notes app on your phone. I highly encourage you to do that. If not, if you're running, if you are driving something like that, you can just do this in your head. So I would like for you to, I'm going to give you a question and then I want you to stop and write it down or think of it in your head. Make a list of all the things a good person does. All the things you can think about or that you can think of that a good person does. Whatever that means to you. And don't raise your hand and be like, but wait, Rochelle, what do you, uh, no, gut. Just go with your gut. What do I mean by that? What does a good person do? So stop this. I wish I could just say, da, na, 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 na. But instead, <laughs> I will spare you from that, um, from a long um, interlude of Celine Dion music. And instead, I'll just say, stop this and then come and make your list and then come back. Okay. Welcome back. I missed you. So now look at that list or think of that list and write down who taught you those things? Who taught you that those were good? That those were the good things a person does? Was it your kindergarten teacher? Was it your parents? Was it your religion? Was it the kids around you growing up? Have you spent time challenging those things? Or at least checking in and saying, Which of those do I believe are true? Culturally, I'm 40. So culturally, when I was growing up, I still got the message from society um, into my subconscious that good girls don't have sex before marriage. Good girls don't go to second or third base. Good girls don't swear. Good girls, like there were so many things that good girls didn't do. And we know that you are obviously not a bad person for swearing. I mean, fuck, I hope not. Uh, and that you are not a bad girl for having sex before marriage or a bad boy or whatever. Right? There's so many things that we are taught make you a bad person that we don't take time to make new neural pathways around that, to decide, oh, I learned that from my parents and their own issues and things that they went through. I learned that from Sunday school. And maybe that's not even my religious belief anymore, but I've held on to that good and bad. Maybe I was taught that in kindergarten. Times have changed. It's 40 years later. Whatever it is. And I'm not saying that those things are wrong. I'm just saying... Have you taken inventory lately to say, what are my values? How many things on that list are, this is, makes a good person because that is what I believe because that is my experience. That is intrinsically who I am. That is what I value at this age in this body, doing my work on myself. This is what I truly value and believe versus what was told to you that you have just kept going with. So I challenge you to take time to really look at that and then say, okay, which ones of those do I really want to keep? And which ones of those do I want to throw away? And which values are my values? And you can take those, some of those values from before and say, ah, yes, this, this is still my value. That's great. But I want you to at least take time to look at it. 
I mean, let's remember that society has told us what good and bad is since the beginning of time, and they were wrong about so many things. I mean, we have there's times in history where people who had um, deformity or, or facial differences or body differences were shunned as bad people, as evil people, as cursed by the gods, right? Forsaken by the gods. And how horrible is that? People believed that. They didn't challenge their thoughts. Same with, quote unquote, witches, right? Women that ran their lives by the moon, which now know is a wonderful way to to live your life, right? To understand the concept of the moon cycles that women who knew about plants and herbs and found medicines that way were burned at the stake. And now we would give anything to go back and have some of that lost information that literally went up in flames. So I would really love to hear if you do this exercise and it's meaningful and impactful for you. I'd really love to hear about that, whether you reach out to me on um, Instagram or um, under a TikTok video or something. I'd love to love to get to hear. Or if you know me in person, just come up and tell me because I'd love to hear how that goes for you. So what if people are, quote unquote, truly bad? What that really means is doing, quote unquote, bad things, doing things that are truly unacceptable, right? I mean, there's what we just talked about around knowing what your values are and that sometimes the things we think are bad aren't actually bad, but there are things that are unacceptable. There are ways that we treat other people or that uh, people treat us or that people treat uh, groups of people in society that, that aren't okay, that aren't acceptable. And this is where we start talking about the toolbox, And I always explain to my clients, and I can't remember if I talked about this in a a podcast before, but it's always good to uh, bring up themes often, right? Because you have to hear things a couple of times before they really cement in. So this idea of a toolbox is that we all have a toolbox. And from the moment we are born, we are trying to gather tools for the world. We're trying to figure out how the world works, which as I said before, um, in another podcast, your uh, entire personality is formed by the age of five, right? When your parents don't know what the fuck they're doing as parents, they are creating a whole human being's personality. Yay. If that's not terrifying for parents, I don't know what is, but we are all have an open toolbox and we are onboarding tools to get through life. So um, a tool for me growing up is that my father um, was is a very funny man and I wanted to be loved and wanted to be praised by him and wanted to be seen and, and noticed by him. So I onboarded the tool of humor. I knew that my father respected humor. Not only was he an incredibly funny man, but we always watched funny shows. We always uh, went to see stand-up comedy. Way too young, probably, um, to see stand-up comedy, but my father just loved comedy. And so I knew subconsciously that that would be a way to get love from my father, to be seen by my father. And Sure, he loved me in all these other wonderful ways as well. But as a child, I really saw this as a way to get his attention, his love, approval to be worthy. So at a very young age, I onboarded the tool of humor, humor to get love. And it has worked really well for me. I really love being a funny person. I still use it to this day. It's engaging. I use it in my work. I use it in my personal life. I use it in my dating life. Woo, woo, woo. 
I know you guys get such a terribly personal look at my dating life. I'm so sorry. Once again, you probably never want to eat while listening to my podcast. You never know what's coming up. But I use that tool. I also, as I've talked about before, use the tool of anger. Same base tool, anger, that shield against my pain. That if I could just be bigger, if I could just be scarier, if I could just be meaner, if I could just hit harder, I would be safe. And that got me through many, many years. It worked very well until I got to my early 30s and it no longer worked. Not that I was hitting people in my 20s and teens. Please understand that. That part was a younger child thing. But my anger, whoo, I certainly fought with my words really well for a very long time. So we onboard all these tools, the tool of being a people pleaser. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a, ooh, that one goes deep down in the bottom of our toolbox. And so I always like to think that the toolbox has two layers, the easy, small ones, right? The pliers, the tweezers, the, um, the screwdrivers. And then there's like the big tools at the, at the bottom, which is the things we learned very young, like my um, anger and, and my humor, probably base tools, right, at the, at the bottom. So we all have these tools. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And so when I watch clients, when I watch people in society, friends, I, I notice often what tools they're using. Do they have helpful tools? Do they have not so helpful tools? And I never try to, I slip sometimes you'll hear, but I, I always try to have them as useful or not useful, not good or bad. If you are in an unhealthy situation, an unsafe situation, my tool of anger comes in real handy. It does not come in handy 90% of my life, but that 10% where something is a very dangerous, unsafe situation, or I need to defend another, there's times when I really love my anger. So most time is unhelpful. Sometimes it is helpful. So um, I want to make sure that I'm classifying them that way. Plus, there's such a judgment on good and bad. So we all have these tools. And it's important to look at what your tools are and to realize that people who we think of as bad are just people with unhealthy or unhelpful tools. Things happen to them in their childhood that were painful, that were scarring, that were traumatizing, that were negative, and they onboarded tools for that. They did the absolute best they could. You know how I know that? Because we are always doing the best we can do in every situation. We do better when we know better. And until we do, we are doing the best we can. And when you, as a child, have trauma, when you as a child are in unsafe situations, when you are so full of pain, you will grab whatever tools you can to deal with that. Many of us lean into drugs and alcohol because that is a very, very quick tool. And it has worked very well at some point. Some point it stops working and we need to change that tool. But that's one that many of us understand. But there are really, really hurtful tools that people onboard. And so when you're looking at somebody who is angry, who is violent, who is rageful, who is mean, you are looking at bad. Oh, I just did it. Bad. I made a judgment. You're looking at unhealthy tools. You're looking at tools that are hurting them and other people because they haven't been able to onboard healthy tools. 
they're using tools that don't work, but it's the only tools that they have. So instead of pushing those people away, we should be helping them. Maybe not us, but as society, right? Their therapy, um, coaching, access to mental health services, access to what I always say, teaching this in schools. We should be teaching in schools how to manage emotions in healthy ways. I get so much shit on TikTok every time I talk about we should be teaching this in school, how to manage your emotions, how to onboard new tools, and people just rage at me. Like, this is not what we should be teaching in school. Uh, Bullshit. This is the first thing that we should be teaching in school. How to let go of our unhelpful tools, our tools of pain, as I always like to tell people. Uh, I tell my clients, uh, when I was a kid, I had one tool, and it was a flamethrower. FYI, flamethrowers were invented to kill people. We use them now to get rid of brush and things um, along the highway, but yeah, that's what they were invented for. When I was a kid, that was my biggest tool, and I used it for everything, right? Not obviously to the negative scale that some people do, but that was the tool I had, and there are worse tools out there. And that's what those people have. That's what sometimes we have, right? I'm sharing with you my my negative tools. I have more, many, many more, obviously. But think as well about the tools that you have that are not serving you. The tools that you grab and then go, ah, fuck, I wish I hadn't used that tool, right? Overeating, binge eating, not eating. So many addictions, tools, they're just tools that we have until we can on board better tools. So I wanted to really point that out so that you can see your own healthy tools and unhealthy tools and to understand that all you are seeing when you are looking at somebody who is off-gassing anger and pain and sadness, you are just looking at their tools and they're not helpful. I am not saying, once again, the disclaimer, that is acceptable that they're treating you that way. You do not have to ever accept abuse, mental or physical, in any way, shape, or form. I just want you to understand that you are not looking at a bad person. You're looking at a person with tools that are not helping them. Our tools are to help us get our point across, to be seen, to be understood, to be loved. And a lot of them don't work. So I want to bring up a phenomenal, phenomenal book. One I actually could find this podcast. Last time I couldn't find the book I was looking for. This one, I reach all the way over here to grab it. This one is called, What Happened to You? Conversations on Trauma, Healing, and Resilience. It is written by Bruce D. Perry, MD, PhD, and Oprah Winfrey. And what they talk about in this book, and it's a phenomenal book, I highly recommend it. I will give you the disclaimer that I have not read all of it. Uh, Shauna, for those of you who know the wonderful Shauna, uh, my partner in crime, I shouldn't say that, it does sound like we're dating, Um, but my uh, second in command she loves it. She read it cover to cover and just said it's amazing. And I watched um, Oprah and Dr. Perry talk about it and what they were saying. And really the crux of the book is that we need to stop saying what's wrong with you. And we need to start saying what happened to you. 
We need to stop saying what's wrong with you and start asking what happened to you. What happened to you that made you have to onboard tools that aren't working? What did you go through that made you grab these tools and not let them go? And that is a place that I want all of us to be able to get to with compassion. And that's really the takeaway that I want you guys to have at the end of this is to walk away knowing what your true values are and not living by the values of others or the values of society. You know how much I hate that. And instead, live by your own values. And also to have compassion with yourself that you are never a bad person. You just have unhealthy or unhelpful tools. And you can change those at any point. I'm not saying they're easy to change, not at all. But you can change those. And to have compassion with the people around you that they are not bad people. They are not people that need to be pushed to the outskirts of society. We don't have to banish these people that as society, we need to change and we need to help these people. Again, that doesn't have to be you that's helping them. That is just a more global statement of that we as a society need to take responsibility for helping people who have had, who've been through trauma, who've been through horrible things younger and older, and we need to rally around as a society and start finally saying, okay, we're going to take care of these people. We're going to give them the help that they need and deserve. We are going to teach them to lay down the tools that are not working and pick up healthier tools. And you can start with compassion because that is a beautiful, beautiful tool for you and for the people around you. That's it, folks. Love you, fam. See you next time. So there you have it. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And follow me at Coach Rochelle Indra on TikTok and Instagram.